Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we're getting a little bit personal again this week. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Aw, you're going to know us better. Aw, today we're talking about uh, side projects and some goals we have. And I don't know. We got a really good response last time that we just talked about. Like, I don't even remember what the topic was. It was, was like it freelancing. freelancing and like yeah. work, work, uh, workflows and how we handle things. Right. It was it was stuff along those lines. And we've been i don't know we've we've been kicking around this idea for a while and we thought that we got such a good response last time we would try this so we are constantly talking back and forth a little bit about some of our like long-term goals i guess that part isn't constant but we do talk about side projects a lot and things that both of us intend to do that we haven't gotten to yet or we haven't had time for and i i find myself like trying to capture these ideas i do and i put them into lists like you guys have heard about some of my systems <laughs> to capture that stuff um, yeah, you and your lists i do it, it works really well for me so like i capture the ideas i capture like goals and then i kind of like refine them over time yeah and for me, I thought it would be an interesting topic because, like, even though I don't have a lot of free time right now to act on any of these, that's my main constraint, these are constantly percolating in the back of my head. And it's just part of my brain that I can't shut off. And then I know that, like, you've been thinking about this lately because you're full-time freelance now, and that's still newish for you, but you're still getting, like, your mind is in that mode too, right? Yeah, and it's it's weird because having been a teacher, I had a lot of time off. It's kind of the exact opposite of you, where I have three to four months off a year, and so my mind is always going to side projects or what could I do. And now, as I'm honing in on the free time, uh, full time freelance, it's okay. I need to focus in, but what area should I focus in on? And over the last like, I guess four months ish since. The the maybe three since the book festival is over i've been kind of in a weird place where i'm working for the paycheck but not really pushing forward with any goals it's just kind of drifting which is great i mean it is it is a great thing to make sure you have a solid paycheck and i'm good and happy with that but there hasn't been really any kind of passion projects or long-term stuff that I was either planning for or or even working toward. So this has been in the back of my mind lately of just, so what should I start working on soon? And I had a list, I had a Trello board of things that I'd thought about that I went back and kind of looked at and updated. See, you have Trello board. I have my wonder list. We both have ways to do it. But no, I mean, I I found that when I was freelancing too, like what you're saying, that it would come in cycles. There would be a while where I would just be executing on stuff that I know how to do. And it's not really pushing me into learning anything new, but it was just like keeping on top of my game and executing on things I already knew how to do and just like making money that way. And Mm -hmm. then I would have to shift into modes where like I learn a lot rapidly and get new skills, but it was hard to consistently do both of those. It was definitely like one and then the other, and it wasn't Uh a consistent cycle, but I, I remember that from my whole time freelancing, either feeling like one or the other. Like, oh, here's the thing. There's an upcoming p- potential project. Quick, acquire all these new skills. Or, yeah. hey, I'm full up right now. I just have to get the work done. Yeah, that's really the way it is, where you're you're in a lull. You're in one of those famine times, and it's like... 
I could learn this within this time and then look for those kinds of jobs in the meantime that or once I have that skill to be able to do it's it really is like that for me and even if it's not a a full-on thought process that goes through that because I never had to start just constantly scrounging for jobs or anything I wasn't I wasn't posting on Craigslist to you know for to do a job so that somebody could buy me chicken nuggets but it was it was it was something that I always kept in my mind like what can I do better to get and keep consistent jobs yeah and I mean like when I was freelancing I would have weeks that were literally like 100 120 hour weeks um I don't think I went much above that. And 100 was pushing it. Those were the outliers. But, you know, I would regularly have times where I took on so many projects because I never want to say no to a client that was a regular client that I would be at like 80 hour weeks and then it would suddenly swing and I would be at 10 hours for a week. Um, And I don't know. I mean, in the whole time I was freelancing, I only had a few weeks where I was at zero hours a week, which it happened occasionally. It was usually around holidays, but sometimes Mm. it would just happen like randomly, which is terrifying but also i don't know it's weird when you're freelancing because you have to make money to still live but you also have to give your mind a break sometimes and knowing when to like panic and go into well not panic but like go into um job hunting mode for your next thing and when to just say okay i have a lot of things floating out there i have a lot of people that know about my skills that might have something upcoming i should just take a week and just chill and just wait and yep. see what comes to me. That's that's a hard skill to have. And I, I know that you're kind of in that place at the moment. I am. I've been in that place for just the last little bit. And right now, things are finally starting to come together. And I'm seeing all of those little tendrils out there, those feelers, really started to congeal on the stuff that I'm working on. Like just recently, I've, I've had my Elegant Themes articles that I'm writing doubled, and I'm starting to, to uh, work on setting up some podcasts and maybe some videos that I'm doing with them, and I'm going to be trying that out this week. And it's something that I've been working on skills on the side for this stuff, and now it's all coming coming together and I can see how it all pays off where these side projects that I've done for fun, like the podcast here have really helped teach me on something that's going to pay off professionally now. Yeah. So with that in mind, you're in this freelance space that we talked a bunch about just now. And then I'm just full up. Like my, my time is accounted for between my job, which is more than 40 hours a week and my family and the podcast that we're doing right now. Um, I'm kind of full up and some weeks I could squeeze other things in, but not consistently, not consistently enough to do side projects. So that's kind of where we're coming from. But let's get into some of the things we don't have time for right now that that are (laughs) on the back burner because it's, I I find it useful to talk about. And sometimes it's just nice to get like another person's opinion and like hash out the details a little bit more. So do you want to go first? Because I know that sure. even like last week on the podcast, we were talking about you learning new languages. Yeah. And one of the things that I've had on my back burner for a long time is becoming fully fluent in a programming language. Yeah. And, you know, that is reading, writing and just being able to fully grasp it where I can go in with a lot of them and pick out code. I can understand individual syntax and I can play with the files and make them do what I want. But there is there are very few few things I can do by opening up a blank document and then having any kind of script on its own that uh, when I was teaching my one of my 
best colleagues, my best friends at, at work, and one of my really close friends now was an ESL teacher, and I learned that reading, writing, and listening are all three distinct skills in learning acquisition, where you may be really good at listening to English, but you can't speak it at all, and you can barely write it, or you can be great at reading it, but when somebody talks, you just don't understand the accent, that kind of thing, and I'm finding that that happens in programming languages too, because that the same language acquisition skills apply, where I can read it and know what it is, but and know what's going on and edit it, but I can't necessarily recollect it and recall it immediately to be able to write out an entire PHP script that I need to. Um, same with Ruby. Like I love Ruby, and I can read it and see some stuff and understand when something's quirky and fun, but that's all I can do with it. And it's like I'm last week I said I was learning React and React Native because, you know, JavaScript sucks. Looking at it, it is ugly and unintuitive and a lot of things about it are terrible, but you can't escape it these days. So pretty much everything is JavaScript. So I need to become fully fluent in it as opposed to being uh, good enough at it to be dangerous. I don't know. I, I don't think JavaScript sucks because... <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but it's also one of the first languages that I learned that's more right. like a programming side language instead of like display side. So right. the the stack that I have is kind of like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, and PHP. That was like the core that I learned first. Yeah. And then I had lots and lots of projects between um, some full-time development work I did when I started as a developer and then freelance that I did for years where I was working within PHP frameworks and within a couple like Ruby and Ruby on Rails frameworks so they were like yeah. a framework within a language within a sub language type of thing and then a ton of different like javascript frameworks i got to the point where like i i can write most of the time i can write like javascript php html css i can do most of that from scratch without thinking or yeah. with looking something up that will take me 10 seconds because i know what i want to do i just don't remember the exact syntax exactly um whereas any of those like uh frameworks or sub languages or whatever I can look at a file of a language I've never seen before, and just from like context clues, I can usually make edits, which is probably where you're at for right. a lot of things too, right? It is. That's where pretty much I'm sitting right now, and because I only really... Well, I, I don't remember how I talked a whole lot about it on the podcast last year, but about the time that we started the podcast, if I'm remembering right, I was also just starting computer programming and getting back into it after around a 15 to 20 year hiatus where it was maybe 18 years, I think is what I added up. And I hadn't really done anything since Fortran 77 and basic. So I was just getting into that. And over the last year and a half to two years, whenever it was, I've got to the point now where I can do exactly that. I've gotten more comfortable just to go in and edit the code, do everything I need. I'm not worried about breaking anything anymore, and I'm fixing and I'm doing everything that I've needed to do professionally. But, you know, I can't, there's no way I could even be a lone developer at this point. I'm working as a, you know, the, the editor, designer, uh, admin kind of dev guy. Yeah, but the other thing is, like, I mentioned this last week, but you are just on the cusp of understanding how like yep. transferable all the skills you already have are and like 
if, if you just keep pushing the way that you are right now, you're not very far away from it. Like the next couple months, you'll probably it'll probably click all the way for you because it will. I have lots of other friends that are developers in all sorts of languages, things I've never touched before. I mean, my brother works in big data, so he's touching systems that like I would never have any reason to learn the languages that he works in day to day. But we can talk about what he's doing and what I'm doing uh-huh. because so many of the same principles apply that it's it's crazy. So yeah, the principles are what matter, not necessarily the syntax and how you're, you know, the individual commands. So I think you're on the right track there with that side project goal, whatever it is. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I'm working on. That's probably the most tangible of the, you know, the goals that I have is like I can set X amount of time aside and I can work on this particular project. And I realized the other day that there are a couple of legit projects that I want out there that fill a need that I want in terms of software so that I can't find what I exactly what I want. And that's exactly the kind of thing that will push me forward to keep learning it, that there are a couple of different kinds of apps that I'm like, why is this not on the app store? Dadgummit. Yeah, totally. You're on the right track. So what else you got? Um, I want to make money with content creation. I know nice. you and I've talked about this since before we were, um, we're, before we even started the podcast, that you and I were like, eventually, let's make money from this. Like, let's treat this professionally. Let's do this. And let's not just be two dudes in our bedrooms and with awful gaming headsets. Let's do this right. And that's something that's always been on my mind is I wanted to be able to make money from content creation. And like I said, that's actually working. I've been working toward this for a long time between the Professor Beach blog, the Geek Fit thing the podcast here and finally with the uh, elegant themes thing that this weekend wordpress that starts this week i'm going to be you know rounding things up and talking about them on camera and podcasting and being paid for it and that's that's really awesome to me that that's i don't want to say a dream come true but it seems like the fruition of a lot of work and a lot of disparate areas well, and it's cool because you can like look back on what you've done and see how everything ties in. This is how I felt yeah. when I got the job that I have right now. Looking back and actually seeing like a career path, even though all I felt like yeah. everything was all these disparate jobs and projects and side activities, and then suddenly see them all kind of tie together into, oh, this is a really unique skill set. I can apply this in a really cool way. And I feel like yes. you're getting there for content creation right now. It is. And it's really strange because it's in the in my mind, I'm I'm an English teacher. That that's what I've done for so long. It's really hard for me to when somebody asks me what I do, not to say, Oh, I'm a teacher. And it's not. That's a great skill set I got that I learned a lot from doing that. And I'm now transferring that into completely different things in terms of interacting with people. I always say that teaching a class is like perfect teaching a class over the course of a couple of years is like perfecting a stand-up routine you figure out which jokes work and which ones bomb and by the time you get through it two or three times it's just autopilot and i'm just so used to talking to people and being casual and easy that that kind of thing is a skill and whenever my wife found out about the uh about this part of it uh with my my up work here that she uh, she was like well i'm I take back everything I've ever said about your podcast not making any money. Thanks, Jennifer. 
I was like, yeah, thanks, honey. It worked. It made us money. Or it will. It hasn't yet, but it will. Yeah, and I mean, some of it is just skills. Like, you don't mm-hmm. make money in this one area, but then the skills transfer over. I mean, I blogged for years and years, and I'm, I'm never going to make any money blogging. I know that at this point. But in my day job now, I do a lot of copywriting that... Yeah. Other people just like I don't have a full time copywriter on my team yet. I will eventually, but for right oh, now, I somebody you did. no, somebody has to do it, and I can do it, and it's yep. directly because I did that for years. You know, like I wouldn't be able to if I hadn't done this other thing earlier. And I didn't know until I started blogging back on Professor Beach, and I think two thousand eight, two thousand seven, whenever that was, that. Writing for the web is a skill that it doesn't necessarily transfer if you're a good academic writer to write for the web, because some of my first blogs that I've ever done are really atrocious garbage, that they are unfit for human consumption, like they are poison for your brain. And I look back, it's like, what was I thinking? And over the last decade of doing this, I like to think I've gotten pretty good at it. Like you said, you, it's a skill that you gain that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that kind of thing is really interesting to see that that transfer of skills there that probably a lot of our listeners have too. honestly, that they may not think about that being a skill from being a part of this community. But if you're on message boards talking with people or Reddit, just having that kind of communication with people who aren't there, you learn how to be more concise and constructive. Let me tell you, from working in marketing, there are so many people that don't understand like how to do messaging for the web and just being involved and engaged in the ways that a lot of us are day to day. There are a ton of skills that you have that are like soft skills almost. They're somewhere between hard skills and soft skills that will like directly apply to that kind of thing, which is super interesting to me. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the other thing I want to know about because this kind of ties into what you're talking about, like podcasting, YouTube and content creation, like almost being a personality on the web, which is something you're kind of gunning for in the long term. <laughs> but yeah, you, I know you also want to do more with geek fitness and that ties in, right? Yeah. And I mean, long term goal, if if I had if I had my druthers, I would want this kind of Alton Brown good eat style fitness show where that's that is what I would just love to do because there are not any fitness shows that I can find. If you know of one, guys, please let me know because I want to watch it so bad that there's not a show like Good Eats for Fitness and Health, that it's uh, something that actually talks about the science, is entertaining, can can give you tips, and it's a legit show because it's like Biggest Loser type stuff or it's uh, their documentaries where they end. It's not a continuing topics-based like just fun even a youtube channel i haven't been able to find out integrating that kind of of half hour show together with with just the fitness topic so that's what i would love to do like that would be great and but that's such i I know that's a pipe dream that will probably never happen because that's the kind of thing that even if it were to be a web series that has to be a full-time gig to do it right there is no way that can be a side hustle yeah yeah i can see that but i mean it would also be a really good fit for you like if you could ever make it happen if i could make that happen i would i would be head over heels in love with that people who made it 
possible. Like I've thought about crowdfunding it, but even right now, I don't have that planned out to be able to do anything. It's just like, that's the pipe dream long-term. Oh, I would love to. I mean, I mean, that's kind of one of the points of why we wanted to do this is like some of this stuff is a pipe dream. Some of it is very realistic. Some of it we're doing right now in like small ways, but I, I think it's useful for other people to hear this because this is something that all of the successful creators I know do this kind of thing, but it's usually behind the scenes and it's not out there for other people to hear True. like how this comes about. So I just thought it would be useful to like like talk about this. Like, yeah, that is a long way away. You can't do that like this year. You're probably not going to do it within the next two years, maybe not even three. You might not ever do it. But it's a thing that is on your mind and you're putting some thought into and that counts for something. And it does. And being able to plan out those kind of things, looking like, you know, if you had if money were no object, if time were no object, if if capital and facilities were not objects, what would you do? That kind of of just totally blown out of proportion thinking can let you focus in on what it is about that idea that makes you that makes it that makes you want to do it in the first place. And for me, whenever I was thinking about this, because obviously that's not, you know, you can't just jump off the cliff and do that. I can't just say, Hey, I'm going to do this today and do it. So for me, that was, what is it about this? And the two things that came out of it were, I want to entertain people and I want to help people. And so I, I've like had a weight loss memoir that I drafted years ago from when I used to be 300 pounds that, uh, I've thought about doing using to start out this kind of content creation and do it as some sort of podcast, maybe like a patio book to start getting that kind of content out there to have structured content. Because if you listen to the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Rambly, uh, off the cuff, almost stream of consciousness. And that's worked. I've gotten good feedback from people, but the next step would be to make something more more structured and that may be what my next my next real project is is looking at figuring out a way to get that memoir that I've drafted into something that's consumption worthy and given the skill set and where I'm at right now that may be audio yeah maybe um that's a really good point you could take it in a different direction like that. I mean, yeah. I had projects morph like that underneath me too, where I thought it was going to be one thing and it ended up being something not completely different, but like tangentially related from the first thought. Yeah. And I mean, and also I wrote my novels and for those of you who don't know, you can find them on Amazon right now. Um, that it's uh, my, my books that I've done really well with them. I did, I did exceptionally well for a self-published author, encouragingly well that I kept putting them out and put out, I think five books, I, I think. And it, the market changed what people are doing in the self-publishing market just doesn't work anymore so putting out a kindle ebook about losing weight i'm just another fat guy that did this so i need to change it and i have now have the skills to do something other than doing that so you just have to look at the times look at what you want to do and like you said adapt into uh seeing where that that can be yeah where that can take you in the long term and and work through it I mean, like I used to blog about a lot of the things that we podcast about now, and it has become almost all that. 
Like I know, I know every week I say I blog at agreenmushroom.com because my blog is still there. I don't write on it a whole lot anymore. Like I get the same creative satisfaction, but even better by doing this podcast every week. And yeah. it's, it's a direct extension of what I used to do. And we took it and between the stuff you used to do for like blogging and what I used to do and we crammed it together and made it a different format and now it's this podcast and I like this better than that, even though I still sometimes blog a little bit. And I'm the same way. But like that, it's just you can tangent away from what the first thing was and still get something really cool or even better. And I would say that this podcast is way better than my blog ever was. Yeah, absolutely. It's way better than any of mine, I believe. And that's why I want to do that, where I like this better. And I've thought about taking, you know, geek fitness in general. It's harder to write blogs for me and articles that, you know, you're pushing a thousand to fifteen hundred words if you're writing anything long form. And it's more fun to record it and talk about it if that's within your skill set. Some people, not good for them, and the writing is way better. And heck, I'm a writer. That's what I make money at <laughs> uh, right now. That's what it is, is article writing that I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot of. But so I say it's like writing's not the good part. But that's just where, you know, like we said, skill sets, and as you're looking at your goals, you can adjust them. Turns out that even though I'm a good writer, I'm strangely a good speaker, even though I grew up with a speech impediment. Yeah. And I know that you had one other thing to. Uh, I want to run a marathon. I know you And do. I'm never going to. This is one I know I'm never going to. My doctor has told me not to. And I'm, I, I want, <laughs> really, they, they, they did. And I want to do it so bad. I have a history of injury. I constantly burn out. Uh, not even burn out. It's, uh, I push myself too hard and therefore I burn out. Um, it's, I don't think it'll work out, but I keep it on my list because I really want to have something like that to aspire toward. I will probably run another half marathon, but in my mind, I will one day do a, a full marathon just to say that I've done it. I'll probably walk a great deal of it more than just, you know, run, walk, marathon training will get you there, but I will do it at some point. I may only run 13.1 of the 26.2, but I want to do it just because as a runner, it's, it's, you know, that's, I don't even know. 5k at one point seemed like the standard for me. And now as I've progressed, I see that, uh, that they're all just incremental goals to keep moving toward that you may or may not ever reach. And the marathon is my next one that I may or may not ever reach. Cool. I mean, that's, that's a really good goal. I don't think I'm ever going to make it to the 5k just because like, I, I'm not a competitive runner. I have asthma. I have allergies. Like I compete against myself. I know what times I'm at. I know I'm slow compared to most people, but I also know because I've measured it before that like me at a casual jog, my heart rate is like way higher than a lot of marathon runners. So like I, I just compete with myself. Like I'm, I'm not trying to beat anybody's time cause I'm not going to do that. I'm just, it's physically impossible for me. So I, I don't see myself ever competitively running, but I always want to keep working on like how I feel. That's kind of my end goal. I do suggest, and not even competing, I do suggest if you've never done a 5K race, and I say this very loosely with air quotes that no one can see, that you go to a race 
and you sign up and you do it when you're able to to make it. And I know you can. You do three or four miles, you know, walking, jogging, running, everything all together in a decent time. I suggest that you do that for no other reason than to be around the people there because it's just so much fun. That that the the running community just aspiring to be, to do a race or a gathering like that is it, it is so much better than I ever expected it to be that that pushed me forward at that point in uh, my running time and my running career that made me want to do more of it because people were just so absurdly nice and if you've never done that I really would love to have your take on it maybe I don't know I'm I'm way more of an introvert than you are like that sounds like a lot of work mentally just to deal with like a whole community of people into this thing and they're all better than me um oh there I, are there are people there i promise who are not better than you it's, believe it's not even you that mean. it's just like adding a whole level of social thing on top of like the physical act of doing the distance it sounds like not fun to me now that i get i totally understand that part because it's the social talking to strangers at the end and laughing and having a good time stopping with at someone who is throwing up in the middle of the uh, race and be like you okay buddy and like yeah thanks for stopping and then them coming up on i'm eating a banana later being like thanks for uh thanks for checking on me my wife uh saw me a little bit later and i did the same thing i'm like cool and yeah. uh, but it's like i like that kind of thing i like i like interacting with strangers so much like i've said that jennifer's like stop talking to strangers in the grocery store it's like <laughs> i'm a four-year-old yeah um so i have a couple things <laughs> yeah i want to know about yours i really want to um, he- i've seen the list now and i want to i want to he- i want to dig in on these yeah i don't think mine are as extensive as yours which is fine because you don't have a lot of geekery this week and i have a ton so True. It'll, it'll all balance out in the end um but i want to make more podcasts and i talked about this a bunch in in the Q&A episode, so I'm not going to like dwell on it here. I'm going to kind of gloss over it, but hey, if you want more of that, go listen to the Q&A episode that's a few back. Um, so I would love to do like a revitalized video game news now, probably with another host and a different format slightly, and then I would also like to attempt a live play RPG podcast at some point. Um, mm, and yeah. I have a couple other ideas too that I've talked about, like digital marketing or like some tech focus. Like I have other ideas too if I ever had the time, but those are the top two for sure. And right now, it's just like time constraints and schedule are an issue and the other thing is i don't want to edit more than one podcast per week right now and i don't know if that's ever going to change unless i can make podcasting a full-time gig which doesn't i don't know i'm not pushing for that that's not one of my end goals you know like if i ever fell into it accidentally maybe but i don't see that really happening for me yeah Um, and the edit takes so much more effort than the recording so yes it does that's just kind of one of those things would video work for you on that? And I, because I know that they use similar skills, but but would editing video, like if you were to do a video game news now with someone and edit it as a as almost a news show, would that be a different kind of skill that you would be using that wouldn't feel like the podcast editing? It would, but it it would take way more time, and I don't want to devote ah. that time. Like I, so, I was a professional yeah. video editor, and I don't know if I can go back to being an amateur video editor. Like uh. if I'm doing, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like if yes, I'm doing I do. that, I need to get paid for it because I have a very good skill set that's worth money doing that. 
I don't think I can do that for myself unless I know it's making money. It's like, would you go and do a bunch of copy editing for someone for free? Uh, yeah, you're right. Where I'm just like when people are like, no, I've got the, I've got the skills. You're going to you're going to pay me for this. I mean, I had to turn down articles recently because they just didn't pay the the floor rate that I have. Yeah, exactly. So it's the same thing for me, except I would be my own client and I know how demanding and exacting I am when I'm a video editor. I get very into the nitty gritty because it was my job. And I I don't really want to do that. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to do that again unless it's making the money to make it worth it. And the amount of time that's required to get up to the point where I would possibly even have an audience approaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, before you could get something, it would take so much effort to lead yeah. up to the point where you could make money on it that it's never going to be what you consider a return on your investment. Right. Exactly. And I mean, I've I've had ideas like they've been on this list before and they've fallen off this list before. And now I'm pretty sure they're staying off this list. But I've had a lot of ideas over the years about different probably video game focused content that I could do as videos and get them on YouTube and build yep. a community that way. And I've just I've decided that I don't want to do that. You know, it was a long term goal and it percolated in the back of my head for years and years. And eventually I got to the point where I just said, you know what? I don't think I want that to be an end goal. And I just cut it from this list. And that's why these kind of lists work so well. And that's why they work for me, at least, is I see, especially if I've written it down like you did, like you have your wonder list, we said, and I have my Trello board and I go look at them. And I'm like, I'm not that same person anymore. That's yes, not a priority. Exactly. And I realized that I've changed and I can gauge whether or not I like who I've become in the interim that I can, you know, I need to get back to this where being a gamer was so important to me for so long. And I, all I thought about was, was fitness for a very long time. I mean, you lose 150 pounds and it's going to be your life. Don't get me wrong. And I don't regret any of it. But when you were like, Hey, let's do a video games podcast. I'm like, I haven't played video games in so long. Oh no. And I'm like, I play some online games. I'm so scared. And you're like, here's Firewatch, play it. And I'm like, oh my God, video games. And it's like, I look at what my priorities were and what my goals were. It's like, yeah, I want to do a podcast, but I want to do a fitness podcast. I'm like, you know, let's do a video game podcast. Like, because I'm a gamer. Why did I forget that? It's, yeah. It, it, it is a very good way to get to know yourself by writing and just thinking about what you're not even thinking about, but verbalizing and, and making some sort of tangible, I guess list is the only word for it of things that you want to do. Yeah. Well, like when we started this part of the reason it's the geek to geek podcast and not the geek video game podcast or something, we, we would have called it something better than that. Yes, but, we would have. Um, is that we wanted the ability to talk about lots of things. And part of the reason is like you weren't as into gaming as you once were, even though I feel like you're kind of coming back to it as time goes on. And I also sense that probably the next time that you get stable with like income and work and all that, you're probably going to come back to gaming in a big way with yes. like a switch and a PS4. And I, I feel like that's not far off these days. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, we purposefully made the geek to podcast so that we could talk about like anything that we wanted to, that we are passionate about. It's kind of all encompassing on purpose. Yeah. And I like that about this, like being able to do this episode makes me just really excited and happy. And I've been looking forward to it for a week just to, just to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, okay, another one for me. Um, I want to make a game at some point, and yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to make a game to try to make money. I don't necessarily ever want to release it to the public. 
I want to make a game for me because I I used to do this to some small extent when I started programming, which honestly, my first programming was on like TI-86 calculators. Like that's my first experience with programming when I was nice. in, ooh, it would have been either end of middle school or beginning of high school. And I started programming because I hated doing all the math by hand. And I was like, I have a computer in my hand in this class that I can access at any time. Why don't I just make this do it for me? So as I got into calc and stuff, all of the complicated things that you're supposed to like do by hand and show all your work and all of that junk, I thought that was dumb. Like we have computers to do this stuff for us these days. I program my calculators to do that. And uh, then I would get the right answer and then I would work backwards from there and like kind of BS all of my other stuff. Um, so it looked like I had done the work even yep. though I I got the right answer in half a second after I put in the right parameters. But when I was doing those things, if I was bored in math class, I would make little, almost like choose your own adventure or sometimes a little bit of graphics, not a whole lot. I'm talking about like snake level of graphics, uh-huh. nothing more than that. Um, and I've never, I've never really gotten back to that. And I want to at some point. Yeah, the same thing. Same thing with me. One of my first things was, I, do you remember the Gorilla game on on MS DOS? I think it was called Gorilla dot BAS, uh, <laughs> where you threw bananas at yeah. each other and and did that. That was the kind of the first game that I'd ever programmed. Was this really simple? Basically, two dots sitting there, and it, and it would randomly put you, and you had to find coordinates that would hit them. Oh, and, yeah. No, I, I guess I programmed in games like that before. I'm talking about like real programming, blank screen writing. Oh, yeah, that's what I did. I, mine was just mine was not gorillas in it or anything. Mine was just a couple of dots on the screen that you're trying to shoot with uh, with another square dot. And, uh, yeah, but that was that was one of my first ones like that, too. And I've always wanted to do games since then. So I, I want to get back to that at some point, and I want to make something, and it might just be for me. I might never show it to anybody else. I mean, I'd probably show it to my wife because I show her like all the stuff. But um, you know, I, I know that there are steps in between here and there. Like, I need to pick a language. Um, at this point, I'm leaning towards Swift because right. I probably, honestly, develop it on my Mac. I would probably push it to my iPhone. That's probably whatever type of game that I would make at the moment. Maybe Unity though. Because I hear more and more good things about Unity all the time. It's multi-platform. Right. There's a lot of a lot of things you can do with that. So maybe that's the way to go. I would need to pick one of those and like kind of pick up the language, probably crash course into it, and then design a small type of game. And then I would need to decide like what type of game, what kind of scale. Honestly, it would be need to be small. And I would probably just do like minor experiments and work up towards something that would feel yeah. half complete. And I might never have anything that I would consider fully complete, and that's fine. That's not my end goal. My end goal is to just like do this as an exercise because I think it would be fun and interesting. And that's that's why these are hobbies and goals and not something that we're going to school for and something yes. that we're working, that we're taking off half our time and devoting to that we're working part time to have the other 20 30 hours a week dedicated to this that that's not what this is these are going to be projects of passion that we're doing these are something that we do simply because we love doing it that that this game is never going that what you put out is never going to be devil may cry it's never going to be mario run but i'm not sure why those were the two that popped into my head first but it's going to be something that is super 
super awesome because you made it and you have finally achieved that goal and achieve and attain some sort of skill set to be able to apply to the rest of your life. Yeah, and I mean, part of it is just saying that I have done it. And part of it is also... I want to pick up some of those skills along the way and give me a little bit more context because like you guys know that I love gaming. I would love to have a little bit more context of that area of development because like I I understand development, right? But all of mine has been web focused. I've never done game focused development. So I would like just a taste of that. So I understand it a little bit more with like hands on time. So all of that ties in. Have you ever thought about doing the newest version of RPG Maker just to get scripting in because it uses uh, JavaScript as its base language now in order to do a lot of the narrative scripting that I didn't know if that was something you'd thought about. Yeah, every time they release a new version of it, I look and see like what languages they're doing and what it's doing now. So I might do that someday, but it also appeals to me to kind of go back to basics and have to work with programmer art to some extent. That's kind of the goal I'm looking at. I'm not looking at making a whole fully featured thing at the moment, maybe later. That's the thing. This is like, we're talking nebulous goals. It's not really locked down. It's just, here's some of my ideas. Here's kind of where I would like go to get started on it. I just need to pick the right time and do it. And I don't, I don't know when that'll be, but that's fine. Um, yeah. the, the last thing that I have on here is I want to write a book at some point, like a novel. And I, I don't know if it's better to start with that or if I should start with short fiction. For me, One just, just my... being, I'm going to jump in just okay. real quick and just give you my unsolicited advice because I did it because I'm terrible at short fiction, like really bad. So I say you just start out and tell the story that you've got. If you have an idea for a story, make it however long you need it to be. And now I'll shut up. And well, no, it's, it's good to hear because like I know me and... I tend to get to the point like I'm very good at like not wasting words and characters and like um, that's the kind of writing I've always done. So I feel like short fiction might be a better fit for me anyway, but I want to write something in there like short stories or maybe eventually work up to novel length. Yeah, Um, my my big hold up right now is well time again, all of these things are time for me at the moment, but like with the novel, if I did go that approach. I don't know how to outline something like that. I know how to outline shorter stuff. I could outline short fiction. That doesn't really intimidate me. I can outline like a paper or academic thing. That's no problem. Um, I outline presentations and stuff for work all the time. And I mean, I do outlines for the podcast. I do outlines for blog posts, like anything in that realm I'm totally comfortable with. But once you get to novel length, you're talking like... What what's the novel technically forty thousand or more words? Fifty, I think, 50? is the is the current standing. That's what NaNoWriMo uses, and so forty to sixty is what a lot of agents look for. Uh, usually, it's on the higher end. You're looking at like action novels being about seventy five to eighty. Most fantasy novels are a hundred to one hundred and twenty five thousand words. Right. So once you get up to that word count, I just I have no idea how to like approach that from an outlining standpoint. So I just kind of haven't. Um, I'm sure it's something <laughs> yeah. that there are there are articles, there's NanoBrimo, there's you. Like there are <laughs> there are resources I can go to if I want to. It's just, you know, I need the time. And then so at the moment, every once in a while I just jot down ideas of like story ideas or things that I would want to potentially write about in the future. That's kind of awesome. my one action item that I am actively doing. And then the other thing that I know is like since time is my biggest holdup one of the things i have to keep in mind is that i'm good at doing butt in the chair time 
And yes. this is something you and I have talked about before, but like people who are afraid to write daily or who have never blogged before, they don't understand how much of it is just sitting down and doing the writing mm-hmm. and not overthinking it or overcomplicating it. It's like you dedicate this time, sit down, write it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's horrible. Sometimes it's amazing. And it turns out in ways you don't even know. But the key part of it is to sit down, put your butt in the chair and write. I yep. can do that because I did that for years and I know I have that skill set and that that piece of blogging would apply so well to fiction. One of the things about that is that you have butt and chair time right now for lots of different things that you're prioritizing over this particular desire. Yes. That whenever you get to the point where this is at the top of your wonder list, you will do it without hesitation. Oh, yeah. That right now, you're, you're playing games. You Like when you do your Gamefly trials where you take the time, that time could be spent riding, but it's not, and that's okay. At some point, it will move up your priority list where you are you are going to do it or you never will. It will get to a point like that. You might be 77 years old and about to die, but it will get to that point. And if, you, if it's time for it, you will. If it's a big enough priority, it's, I mean, you're prioritizing things right now that make you happier than that would. And in the end, I think that's the most important. Yeah, and part of it is I would go into this knowing that whatever I'm making is probably a trunk novel. If you guys don't know that term, there are writers, every writer has at least one trunk novel, which is a novel they wrote that is sitting in a metaphorical trunk that they are never going to sell or show to anybody or rework. It's just going to be there, and it's a thing they did, and no one else ever gets to see it. Um, that, That would be my goal, right? If it's anything above and beyond that, that's a bonus and I'm not going to like, I wouldn't question it. That would be great. But I would not go into this thinking it's going to become a profession or think it's going to make a lot of money. I would right. just be doing it for me, knowing that it's probably just going to sit in a text file somewhere and not a lot of people are ever going to see it. And that's fine. It's again, I just kind of want to do the exercise of it, but you're right. It's just eventually that will climb my priority list and kind of to go along with what you were talking about. I've also realized you know, when I had those 120 hour weeks and when I had those 10 hour weeks, like you have to take time to recharge. And yes, if you don't, you go crazy. Like you can only create for so long before you are completely drained. You have to mix creating and consuming. And for years and years and years, it was all consumption. I think that's very normal, especially when you're a kid and uh-huh. teenager and when you're in school, which takes up a lot of your mental like energy and then starting out as an adult and trying to like get into the workforce. Like Outside of all your responsibilities, you don't have a whole lot of time to do much beyond consume content, and that's fine. But I got to the point where I needed to start creating. That's where the blog came from. That's where eventually this podcast came from. But I've also been in the situation where I've leaned too hard into creating and not left myself enough time for my brain to just breathe and like take new things in. And that will quickly, I don't know, it just kind of suffocates your creativity, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The Jennifer was telling me recently there was a study done um, that showed that creative people, people who were in, in information trades like we are, have about six good hours a day, between five and six. That if you are really looking to get things done and be your most productive, five or six hours is ideal before productivity, efficiency, and and not even product, just productivity and efficiency, but quality of work goes down. 
after that, it is just pushing buttons and, and pounding it out. And I've definitely felt that because about 3.30 or 4, if I'm working from 8 to 5, if those are the hours I've given myself that day, at about 3 o'clock, 3.30-ish, I'm just like, man, man, I don't want to be doing this anymore. And it's very hard to keep going and slogging. I've told Jennifer that if she's ever come in and I'm just lying under a blanket on the couch at, at right at 5 o'clock, it's because I've been there since 4.30 and I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I, I run into that. It's definitely a thing. And um, when I was freelancing, it was easier because I would just take oh, yeah. a break and go run or play a video game. But like now when I'm in an office for eight hours a day or nine hours, if you include a lunch break, um, I definitely get that in the afternoon. Like I, I purposefully go in early. Like I'm one of the first people in the office so that I can get things done without any interruption and I can really do some like core focus time before I have to see anybody else for the day or get pulled into meetings or get all of these fires to put out. Um, so I, I have a couple like hours every morning that I know I'm going to get stuff done and focused because I know the other end of the day in the afternoon, I, I'm just not as productive. Like yeah. you start to trail off towards the end of the day. Um, I think a lot of people could benefit from like a six hour work day. I honestly mm -hmm. think that that would do a world of good for many, many office workers out there. But try telling that to somebody who, you know, is paying you a salary and yeah. doesn't go over so well. Yeah. And then you have some companies who really can look at it as a, okay, let's test this out and, and, and quantify it. But other companies really can. It just depends on the environment, the culture of where it is. Well, and when I went from developing full-time to freelancing full-time, I was doing the exact same work um, from like the week that I stopped at my full-time job to the week that I started freelancing, the exact same type of work. Um, like it, it was basically one-to-one. -one. It was different clients, but it was, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Exactly the yeah, same. Absolutely. So I was able to measure and I found out that what took me 40 hours in a workplace with coworkers and distractions and meetings and going to the coffee machine because you just need a break <laughs> and you can't take a real break when you're at work. 40 hours, potty. right? Like 40 hours in an office. I would do that in 26 hours at home. That's okay. that's Makes how sense. stark of a difference it was. So, yeah, there's there's definitely something to that. Yeah, I mean, and that lines up exactly with what they were saying in that study between five and six hours a day is perfect at 26 hours. That is that is closer to the five. Yeah. So yeah, it's. For sure. That's that's fantastic. And I, I find the same thing when I was at the office instead of at home. It really was. I'd be like, I'm so tired of being in this office looking at these reports. I'm going to go potty. And it would just be to get up. Or yeah. we would go and we would walk around the campus green just to be able to jog our brains and talk and move around a little bit. Because if I stared at those blue walls anymore, I would just start smashing my forehead into them. Oh, yeah, I get antsy. I mean, I need to get up and move around. Like, at least we have uh, a treadmill desk, which I use sometimes. Right. And sometimes I'll just, like, sneak out for a quick walk. But honestly, like, I wish that it was socially acceptable to take a real break randomly during the day. Because if I could take, like, half an hour and just bring my Nintendo Switch and play something to Heck completely yeah. break my mind out of it, I would be so much more productive for, like, the next few hours. But the thing is, you can't do that. It's like a social contract once you're in a workplace, like it, unless you're on your lunch break and you're playing games on your phone, which I do all the time, it's just not socially acceptable, which sucks because I would be more productive. And it's, it's one of those things that we're like, I purposefully work from home some days and I, 
I'm totally frank and open with my boss about it because my boss is great about these kind of things. Like I get real breaks when I'm home and I get yes. so much more done. I can probably, I mean, because my job is now more on the like higher end side of like management and stuff. And I get pulled into meetings and lots of other distractions. Um, I probably get two times as much work done at home in a day as I would in the office. That's crazy. It's understandable. I've been there. I know exactly what that's like. Um, and it also does go the other direction. When I was working on the book festival stuff, there were days where I knew I was going to get just nothing done at home if I didn't go into an office. That if I didn't go to the library and sit in a chair, put pants on, and and just focus right there, I would never have gotten any work done because of the exact thing that made you work better. Because I'd be like, I need a break and I'm going to play with my phone or I'm going to play Zelda or I had to make myself get away from that. And it's a matter of discipline on how you work. If that, if that is a, if that's an issue for you. And have you thought about, cause I haven't, I don't run into that issue. Like it's just, I'm, I'm good about working when I should be working and I'm good at keeping myself on task and disciplined when I'm working from home because the more I can get done, the faster I can be done for the day and then I can really relax for real. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. That's how I do it too whenever I'm legit working and not being distracted by something like Breath of the Wild. Um, Have you thought about, and I I know that that you and I have talked about your company a little bit, but have you, uh, and they're very understanding, like you said, you've talked to them and been frank about working at home. Have you thought about telling them that about the Switch? And be like, look, I I work better like this, I'm going to do this, and I promise my work is going to be better when I do it. Is that a conversation that's possible to have there? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could. But the thing is, like, I I would do that if I were still lower rung employee. Uh, now that I'm, like, in the middle for management, I just, I don't know. It's a weird spot to be. Like, you know, what you expect for your employees, and then you have a boss. and Because um, I used fair. to do it. Like, I used to do it all the time, right? When I was, like, an editor and a production guy, and I was... You know, not entry level job, but like the lowest job in the mm-hmm. hierarchy. Like it was easy to just be like, whatever, I'm doing this on my break. Um, it's no problem. Yep. But management stuff gets different. It's definitely I could a different see that. feeling. And being in the learning center for me where I was, we would bring our 3DSs and play Pokemon together. And that was a way that I bonded with my students. Actually, we were we were trading Pokemon on our 3DSs. And uh, whenever work had to be done, obviously, you put it on, you know, you slept it and went on and did whatever you needed. But in the time without, it was fun having an atmosphere where whenever my work study wanted to see what legendary Pokemon I had or what we had gotten that morning, it was it was fun to be able to do that. And it still be a part of that work. Yeah, no, but I mean that's also students. It's different. That's true. That's students. That's that's not you know graphic designers and copy editors that you're yeah. that you're working with. Um, so the last thing I wanted to touch on a little bit is this podcast, like as a goal and like as a project and all of that kind of stuff, and just keeping with like the you know incremental goals. Like I. I'm super proud of where we are and what this podcast is, and I fully intend for us to keep doing it as is. Yeah. Um, but I think the next goal that I've had in mind, and we've talked about this a little bit off air, is that like I would like this to be self-sustaining. Like I know that you said ideally you'd be making like money off of everything you do. Yeah, but self-sustaining not, is like, the first goal to uh to that, I think. I'm not there and I don't know if I ever need to be there. I just want like like 
you guys might not realize, but like this podcast, not only does it make us money, but this costs us money. Like there are hosting costs associated with this. And we knew that going in, I knew exactly how much I was like going to pay per month to be able to do this as a hobby. But right now the podcast is costing us money and us doing things like our Gamefly offer or like our um, Audible offer, that's us just trying to get back to even. Like we're yeah. not at all trying to make money on the podcast. Um, if we did eventually, that would be great. I would love some extra money because that would let us do more things and add more things to the podcast, which I love. And it also becomes much more justifiable to other people, like you were saying, like a spouse to say, <laughs> you know, hey, this made a little money. Like maybe I put a little more time towards it. Like there's right. only so many hours in a day. And if you spend all your time recording and editing, your spouse is like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, pretty um, much. So that's part of it. But I mean, right now you know like how do we get there what are next steps um we could do something that we're not currently doing but i feel like we're kind of in a good spot with offers compared to just like straight up ads you know yeah so people sometimes bite on them sometimes not we could move more towards ads which we've talked about if it shows up on the podcast don't be super surprised but my goal with that is i would never want it to change the feel of the podcast exactly Um, and, and i don't think it would have to if we did it right but i also I've listened to so many podcasts. You guys know I listen to a ton of them. There are ways to do it that would change the feel of the podcast, and I want to avoid that. Like, yes. I never want to recommend a service that I wouldn't actually recommend, you know? Yeah. I don't want other people uh, – I, I want to make sure I'm comfortable with, like, whatever we're advertising or promoting or reading about. Um, and I would always make sure that's something. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. So – that might happen. I mean, it might happen here at some point. We we keep kind of tiptoeing towards it, even though we're not running full speed towards it. And then the other option is Patreon or like crowdfunding in some way. And I'm totally up for doing that if it made sense. But right. my problem with it right now is that I feel like if we do that, there should be rewards involved because I've help people with a lot of patreons and stuff before that's something where like if i'm giving people money i want a little something it doesn't have to be a lot but it has to be something and i honestly don't know what we would do for rewards right now that wouldn't take a ton of time and i already feel maxed out on my side project time and you see i'm the exact opposite of that i have donated to a lot of patreons that uh i don't get anything out of i don't care that whenever I see something like that, that's different than a Kickstarter. That's different than if we were to do a geek to geek Kickstarter and we had to do it, or if I was I were to, you know, donate to a game or anything like that. But what I'm what I've thought about on Patreons is I like this person, I like this product, I like this show, whatever it is, and I want to support it. So for three months I'm gonna throw X amount at it or something like that. And um whether the rewards are there or not, I've I'll take whatever they have, but a lot of times I don't even look at them. That a lot of them are writers or content producers and they they're like, I do this Monday musings thing or something like that. And I never look at it. Sometimes I might, but it's not something that that's not why I'm giving them money. I'm giving them money because I like them. And so that's kind of, I've seen some that uh, that are successful without any rewards whatsoever. And I've also heard some people saying like, well, I don't really just want to give a dollar. Uh, so, you know, I feel bad, you know, I feel like a jerk giving a dollar and it's like leaving a tip. And I'm like, no, you give me a dollar and i love you that is that is how this works i 
ask for money, you give me money. It's it's easy. This is this is good. And I'm like, I've seen a lot of people who say that about crowdfunding that they they don't look at people who give minimum amounts as as being someone who isn't willing to give more. There's it's somebody who's willing to give any. And oh, yeah. well, and so, part of it too is like if our goal is to break even on the podcast right. instead of losing money, we honestly don't need that many people in a crowdfund or that many people to do the offer in any given month. But wink, because, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, because we haven't pushed it, and we don't yeah, want to we like haven't. we don't want to feel like it's forced. I never want to do that. Because of that, we're we're not at that level yet, which is fine. Like I said, yeah, we, that... we went into this podcast knowing how much it costs per month to do this, and that's that's fine with me for now. But eventually, someday, that's that's kind of my next incremental goal for the podcast is to just break even, get to that zero dollar mm-hmm. amount instead of negative dollar amount. Um, but there you go, guys. That's us being very open and honest and personal with side projects and goals and kind of stuff we're working on and stuff we may someday work on or totally forget about. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, we're being honest this time. We're, well, we're always honest, but we're being more personal than normal. Um, True. I guess we should talk about our Geeky Offer of the Week because, well, I feel bad talking about it right after talking about ads. I but really honestly, do, too, but it is that time. Like we, I scrolled well, down in the document. And I'm like, there it is. The thing is, honestly, I was going to talk about this anyway because I just read the book this week. So Audible, right? You know all the reasons I just gave them to you. AudibleTrial.com slash Geek2GeekCast. But the Morningstar is the third book in the Red Rising trilogy, and I finished it this week, and I did my normal Fantastic. thing where I jumped between uh, reading it and listening to it, and it was really good. I, I really liked this trilogy. I really liked how it wrapped up, and I just found out that apparently they're doing – or not they, but the, the author is doing a second trilogy in this same setting. Uh, like you know years in the future however long in the future but awesome it was good um i still think red rising the first one is probably the best book in the trilogy but it was totally worth it to read the whole thing and i'm very happy that i did so if you guys want to check out red rising or morning star which is the third one audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast get a book on us help us out a little bit try to get back towards zero <laughs> and with that <laughs> What? We're being very no honest this week. That's, um, it's true. With that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week, and we're already kind of long, but you don't have a whole lot this week anyway, right? I I don't have a lot this time because whenever uh, whenever my work got bumped up, it kind of kicked into a lot of other things that I've been really prepping to keep my workflow going. So I guess the first thing I've geeked out about, and I don't actually have it on my list, is I have been going between different uh, organization stuff this week, between Trello and Basecamp and Wonderlist and Evernote, and even using some of Slack as uh, as with their organizational stuff, with their posts and reminders, and I'm really falling into Basecamp. Basecamp hits on exactly the way that I work and it separates things out. It lets me put documents and notes and schedules and to-dos with comments in something that I don't that I don't get confused when I look at it, which is something that Trello has an issue with is that their UI is cluttered and Basecamp takes UX into consideration. So, I'm really geeking out on Basecamp because I, I like using it. I just wish that uh, more places that I've I work with used Basecamp or that like Slack had more Basecamp style features in it for organization rather than just a solo channel. Um, but I do I do really like those kinds of tools. 
because I'm having to do a lot with URLs right now, and my paper planner does not work for that. <laughs> um, not not real easily at all. So I'm I'm working on a digital digital one that that I can at least keep that kind of stuff in. Um, I did start watching Little Witch Academia that you. That, that that you mentioned the other week, I made it three minutes and forty seven seconds into episode one before I, I turned you. it off. I warned and, you, and uh, it was very anime, yep. and not just very anime. It was like the an like one of the animeiest things that's ever animated an anime in front of me, and. Like it's, I guess it's not that bad. I've seen some that are probably worse in terms of just anime. Yeah, but I mean, but it's this somewhere one... in like the five to ten minute range, probably. So not not that much further than you made it, honestly. Yeah, and uh, I think Data Error on Reddit asked mentioned the other day, and so I just respond on the podcast because Reddit, you know, um, that uh, Kingdom Hearts is very anime for me. But yes, it's the Disney stuff. It's the Final Fantasy stuff coming together that I really don't know what's going on in the story at any given time right now after all the spinoffs. But I'm like, oh, look, Mulan's with me and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Oh, look, it's Squall. Yeah, that keeps me going there. And they're fun to play. I mean, the the story is one thing, but those games are just legit fun. So. Yeah, I could tangent on two reasons that I don't like most anime and what I actually do like and ask for recommendations, but I'm not I'm not going to do that today. Maybe another day. Right. And then just recently, uh, I watched the first couple episodes of Drop Dead Diva on Netflix. Have you seen it? No, I have no idea what that is. It's it's a you would hate it so much. OK, it I will is, skip it then. <laughs> it is this fun and quirky kind of show that, that it ran for, I think, six seasons. And it's about a really skinny, shallow girl and a and a fat smart lawyer who both die on the same day and the skinny girl comes back to life in the fat girl's body or the fat woman's body like they're both women i shouldn't say that but one's a lawyer and the skinny lady has to come to grips with being fat and smart and it i shouldn't say that but like she she admits that she she's not intelligent that's part of the character and she's learning to be and it's just really interesting and quirky and weird like my kind of weird and quirky and uh kind of like it's kind of like chiclet is really what it feels like a chiclet tv show and uh it but it also hits on some of my former fat guy feels and uh so i'm just kind of i'm digging it it's weird and i kind of like it Cool. I'm, so you would hate it. I'm not going to check it out, but I'm glad that nope. you like it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for me this week, I, I read Morningstar. Like I mentioned, it was good. Um, I already talked about that, though. So I am out of MMO mode. I'm just like barely doing FF14. And I'm kind of, if you guys haven't noticed, I, I just noticed this today as I was talking to Beige before the show. Whenever I go like way into a game that takes up tons and tons of my time over multiple weeks, I overcompensate on the other end by trying lots of like low hanging fruit as soon as I have freedom. So that so was much this week it. for me. Like I do it. I've done it more than once now on the podcast, right? All the time. Like it okay. is so funny. Like after Zelda, we should go back and just just watch the patterns. If there's a data scientist out there, go watch the patterns in his geekery. Yeah. And report back. Yeah, so there's a lot here. Um so Gigantic is a game that is finally technically out. I played it like three ish years ago, two or three ish years ago at one of the PAXs that I went to. And I liked it when I played it then, so I figured it's finally out. Um, I should actually give it a shot, because I had also played a beta somewhere in there in between. Honestly, 
it feels overly complex for modern games in 2017. Uh, like there's a lot of systems, but not in a good way in like a cluttered way that feels like it should be tighter. And, um, if it had come out when I had first played it, if it had come out around like 2014, 2015, I think this probably would have done really well in the marketplace, but with the way that MOBAs are now, with the way that like Dota and Heroes of the Storm have been out for years, and then you look at the other things it takes inspiration from, like you know Overwatch. Like it, this is if you don't know the game, I should probably say it's a third-person action shooter, kind of shooter, kind of melee combat that's mixed with like a MOBA game, and you have two giant creatures you do things that it doesn't really matter. You do things to get points to build up a meter thing. And then the giant creatures come clash and you have to try to defeat the other enemies, giant creature. That's the premise of the game in a nutshell. Um, and there are arena stuff. There are individual matches that do this. It's right. not, okay. It, it's like MOBA style. It's, you know, like here's the storm style Dota type of game where it's match by match. You level up during the course of a match. Um, you have different heroes that you pick. Um, it's more of a MOBA than anything else. And it it's colorful and it has an interesting premise, like the cool, the, the giant creatures, that's pretty cool, but it's just too complicated to be approachable. And it feels like it, it probably would have done well a couple years ago, but I just have no interest in playing it right now. Yeah, that's understandable. It's it. I was going to install it the other day and just give it like the token 10 minutes of my time. And it was a far too large download for the amount of time that I was knew I was going to put into it. So I didn't even bother. Well, and it's one of those games, too. It doesn't help that like it makes you install its launcher and then you have to make an account for that launcher to get it. It's like. Um, no at that point whatever um yeah i also tried out layton's mystery journey because i have liked some professor layton games and i have not liked other ones this is the first one that's made entirely for like the mobile for well oh. i was playing it on ios i don't know if it's android also but i expect i thought it would be more mobile friendly but it's a lot more standard than i thought uh, it seemed like the series might be reinventing itself a bit for mobile because it's a brand new character it's kind of a it's kind of the same setting, but it's a different character and a different take and a different feel to it. But it I'm it still has the weird like top screen, bottom screen thing from the DS and the 3DS. And I could see how that would work on mobile, but I could also see how it feels awkward. It feels awkward and it feels weird on mobile and it feels like they could have done something better to make it entirely for mobile. And in looking into it after making that observation... This is the game they designed for mobile first, but they're also porting it to the 3DS. That's it. Yep. And once I saw that, I go, okay, that's why the game feels the way it does. Nope, I'm good. So I kind of passed on it. And if they ever do decide to come back and reinvent this series for mobile, I will try it again. But if they're going to keep trying to like force it onto mobile and 3DS at the same time, I don't think I I want to be part of that. Well, with the 3DS dying, well, I, I shouldn't say it's dying. Well, with the 3DS moving out of the, the mobile cycle and the Switch probably taking over, it may happen in a game or two. Yeah, maybe. Where the, um, they're only a single screen at that point to interact with. Yeah, we'll see what happens with like Ace Attorney and stuff going forward too, because there's some possibility there. True. Um, but yeah, I tried it, and I guess it's just not for me. Um, I tried Inside, which is one of the games that tons of people said it was like their game of the year last year. Um, it is an atmospheric platformer. It's from the Limbo developers. Did you ever play Love Limbo? Love Limbo. Yeah, okay. Limbo's so good. So it's not that it's a bad game Inside, but 
it feels like oh yeah this is this is a follow-up to limbo like i've oh, done okay. this already like i know exactly what they're going for and yeah it's a different take on it but at the same time it's it feels like something i've done before like i thought limbo was really cool and this is just another spin on the same atmospheric okay. platformer you're still a little kid a little boy who's running around in an atmosphere that's creepy and deadly to you like you know oh, it's it's a little man. too close to what the last game was for me to really care that much about it i get that i don't i don't like follow-ups that suffer from sequelitis a lot either yeah so i wish it was more different i guess for splatoon 2 we played a ton of it as a family which was really fun all of the people in my family were playing it over the weekend and we were taking turns and giving each other tips and picking out fashions together <laughs> yeah which is really fun um i beat the single player and the single player is definitely better than splatoon 1 i still love the boss design i think it's fantastic and then i finally got into salmon run for a while that co-op mode yeah um, that being said I, I still can't play it enough to really enjoy it i mean what was there it was pretty good it was pretty good co-op but there was one weekday where I just saw, oh, okay, it's out this weekday. And then I came home from work and I looked and I was like, it's not there. What's going on? I looked back at the schedule for the day. It was available from 1 a.m. to 1 p.m. So dumb. And it, I don't know. It's honestly, it's just really frustrating that I can't play that whenever I want. So it's good, but it's dumb the way you have to get to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But besides yeah. that, I mean, Splatoon, Splatoon 2, it's still cool it's still fun it's still i'm playing it a bunch with my family and i like it a lot more than arms i mean they're liking it they're playing it way more than we played arms so this was definitely worth the investment and then the main game that i played over the last week was pyre which i told you about did you ever look into yeah, it i looked into it and i didn't want to pay for it that okay, was that's fair that's really what happened uh it's a it looked like a really really cool game but one that i would probably bounce off of relatively quickly and so, uh it was so. it I almost didn't pick it up, but it's the next game from Supergiant Games and I had loved Bastion, just so you guys know where I'm coming yeah. from. It's it's the developer of Bastion and Transistor. So, I had loved Bastion when it came out and then I thought Transistor had some good ideas, but I, the core gameplay didn't click with me, so I played a few hours of it, but I never beat Transistor. And uh, I was just talking with friends about the Pyre before it came out, and it was discounted a little bit if you wanted to pay for it ahead of time, and it was going to come out in like six hours or something, and I was like, you know uh, what, I just I just need a new game to bite into. I might as well get a discount and just dive into this, this one. Sure. So I did it. Um, it's kind of like a mixture of a visual novel and an arcade-style sports basketball game. Such a weird combination, but I could totally see it being fun. I don't the videos and everything. Like, yeah, I got it. I mean, it's it's play all of that placed into a fantasy setting, and a lot of the game is just like reading and like character interaction. But then the core, I guess, what you would call gameplay, is that there are these rites that are kind of a religious thing, but basically it's a sport. It's like an arcade style sport, which. Honestly, I've never liked Sim-style sports games, but there have been plenty of arcade sports games over the years that I really got into. Some of them are like the Mario oh, yeah. sports variety. Some of them are more like NBA Jam. NBA or like... Jam! <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, I'm not going to remember off the top of my head. The one NFL for... Blitz. That's the one. There was like yep. NHL something or other. I can't remember the NHL one. There was like, what was it, NBA Street? Yeah. Uh, plenty of games yeah, like that. Awesome. Well, like Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey or whatever, the oh, one where yeah. you could just check people and like hook them, and like that was so fun. Um, anyway, 
I even though I don't really like sports games, I do like the occasional like, arcade sports game. Arcade sports game, yeah. Which is very different, you know? There's definitely two different genres there. This takes from the arcade side of things, and it's good, kind of, to a point. I had a really weird arc with this one. So, if you asked me within the first play session or two, I probably would have told you that this was a really good game within the first few hours. And at the start, the story wasn't that interesting, but the gameplay was that arcade sports part. But then the gameplay started to get boring because it never challenged me. And once I figured out the core of that gameplay, I, I literally did not lose a match the entire time I played the game. Never uh, once. Ever. Was, no, never once throughout the whole course of the Were gameplay. There boss battles? Um, they got harder over time, but they never actually became challenging. Okay. Like, it was just super easy. So uh, the gameplay started getting boring, but then the story picked up. And I really wanted to see where the story went. And it got to the point where I thought the game was almost over from where we were at in the story. And then it turns out that instead, it just takes a really interesting turn. But because of the turn, I don't really want to give it away because it's such a new game. But because of the turn in the story, some parts of the actual story and the plot get repetitive. Okay. And so there was a while there where gameplay was getting boring, but the story picked up. But then after I got to the turn... The story and gameplay both got less interesting, but as those were getting less interesting, the character-specific story arcs got more and more interesting. And they kept building on themselves, and the characters get, kept getting more fleshed out. Just like Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game, because it was all about like the side companions, you know, and their like, yep. specific stories and quests. That's kind of what hooked me until the end of the game. I wanted to see what all of the members of my team a squad whatever it's not really Party? it's um no they're called like a triminative or something like okay. that uh, and you have a, a rotating like squad that you can you have three people at a time who are actually like playing in the rights i um, got you but you get to pick them every time you start a new uh session or i don't even know what they're called <laughs> just a new a new set of the rights a new a sports ball game whatever um, sports ball Woo! yeah it's <sighs> i try not to say that about actual sports but it this is such a weird this one is sports because ball it, it it's like sports but it's also religion because it's the religion in the game and you're doing these like religious rites but the form of them is it drops this celestial orb in the middle of the playing field and then at both ends of the playing field there's a pyre which is where the name of the game comes from right um it's just a fire that builds up and they have like a certain amount of hit points essentially and the whole goal of the game is to get that celestial orb into the enemy's pyre, and every time you do, it will go down in hit points by a certain amount, and it will get slightly smaller. So whoever okay. can extinguish the other one's pyre first will win. Um, basketball. It's basically basketball, except it has a bunch of like fantasy power-ups in it, and all the characters have different movement and different abilities and different uh. things that make it interesting to a certain extent. But yeah, I mean... In the end, I stayed with it. I finished the game last night as of when we're recording this. I don't think I'll ever pick it up again. Like, hmm. so I don't know what to say about this game. I can't give it a rousing endorsement, but it's also not a bad game. I finished it. It, it was just kind of a weird arc, and I don't know how to encapsulate that. I mean, do you have any questions based on like what but, I've said that can help me explain this? 
Well, not so much questions, but just knowing you that you played it all the way through means it's worth picking up. That if that's the kind of game that you like, if you like arcadey sports basketball games and story and character development, but then also, it is you have to like visual novels or at least choose your own adventure games because a lot of the game is reading. If you don't like both of those things simultaneously, do not pick up this game. Like more reading than a typical JRPG reading? Oh yeah, by far. Oh, okay then. See, I was thinking like, you know, Final Fantasy VII or something like no, that. No, with way the more reading. than that. A lot of just reading and interacting with characters and there's literally a book. Like you are the, your superpower as a character in this game, you never participate in the rights. You are the reader because oh. you're the only one who has the ability to read. And there's okay. a book in the game that is central to like understanding the rights and understanding what's going on. And you unlock pages of the book by playing, and that's part of this like reward of the game is unlocking things to read. Like it is a very reading heavy game. That's a very weird game, and uh, I kind of want I kind of want to play it when it's on Steam sale. That is going <laughs> to be something that I grab on sale now that you said it. But because that sounds so interesting, it doesn't seem like full price for me. But the fact that you finished it means it is worth playing. And given how I know I interact with games, it's a sale game. Yeah, and the thing is, it's not even a $30 game. It's like a $20 game. It's like 19 something to start. Right. That's the base price. And when I picked it up for a couple bucks off, I think I paid 16 for it, and that felt that felt about right. So if okay. you see it on sale for somewhere in the, like, the $10 to $15 range, and any of this has sounded interesting to you, maybe pick it up. But... Yeah, definitely it's both of those two genres mashed up in a really weird way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also played a bunch of Plague Inc. Evolved over the weekend because it's been sitting in my Steam library for a while, and I didn't realize this is just directly like an old browser game that my wife and I used to play all the time and we had a ton of fun with. It's one of those where, kind of like Pandemic, like you are the disease and you infect people, and by infecting people, you get DNA points to upgrade your disease into different, like, upgrade paths, and your goal is to wipe out the world. It is... That's it. That's the whole game. It is so fun. It's it's really good game. I didn't realize it was a full, like, PC release now, but I, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it, except I liked it, and I like destroying the world occasionally. I have never heard of that game. You should look it up. It's it's good i liked it um the other thing this week is i haven't mentioned it in a while but i have never stopped listening to the adventure zone and it is approaching the finale and oh my gosh like, like series finale or season finale or so they said that they accidentally made this whole epic story and it has taken like two and a half, almost three years to get through it. This campaign, the Adventure Zone podcast is not ending, but the story that they have been telling for the last like three years is coming to a close. And then they're going to come back probably with new systems, new characters. I don't think it's just going to be D&D &D anymore. I think they're going to branch out and do a bunch of homebrew stuff and try mm. other people's systems. It will still be good because those guys who make the podcast are amazing and I love their other podcasts, but... I don't know if we're ever going to get anything like the balance arc, which is what it's called, um, ever again from them. Maybe, maybe someday in the future. Who knows? But it is amazing, and it's astonishing what they've done. And I'm not kidding when I say that it is one of my favorite narratives ever in any medium, easily. It's that, so good. I don't... I can't even wrap my brain around that. It is so good. And one of the hard parts is it started 
on a whim because one of them was taking paternity time because they had their first kid. And if you start at the very beginning, which you have to, do not dare start with the finale. It won't make sense. It won't have impact. It's not worth it. If you listen to The Adventure Zone, you have to go back to episode one or honestly go to 1.5. It's like a remix that they did once they had a better handle on the series. But you have to go back to the start. And it starts and they're just kind of... uh, (laughs) They are who they are, and they're just making jokes, and some of it's crude, some of it's a little inappropriate. It doesn't feel like it has a lot of weight to it, and I can't believe that we are where we are now, like three years later, based on what it started as. Hmm. It's honestly like, it is such a good story. Just plain and simple. It is amazing. And we're within one or two episodes of the actual finale And I haven't talked about it since last year, like end of the year. Um, But because the arc is ending this year, I think it's going to have to make my end of the year cut because it's just it's too amazing not to. I'm sure it will. That with as much as you love this, there is no way it won't. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. That's it. That's my weekly geekery. (laughs) Wow. You did a lot more than I did. I did. And I glossed over some of it. But that's what happens once I get locked down on an MMO or a giant RPG or something for a while. You can write to us, as always, with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And remember, folks, we are part of a podcast network. If you're not listening to all of our podcasts, you can head over to geek2geekcast.com to see if we have anything that tickles your fancy. I blog sometimes at agreenmushroom.com, <laughs> and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And you can find me online at bjkeaton.com and occasionally at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beege with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. You know about us now. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek Podcast Network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh.